0: Boom, same day. Can change. Easy peasy. You can ghost your therapist. (laughs) Get a new one. I love this
1: idea. BetterHelp is one of our sponsors. If you use our promo code trybetterhelp.com slash WWDN, you get ten percent off your first month. And we totally recommend it.
0: Yes. Get some therapy. That's (laughs) trybetterhelp.com slash WWDN. I'm back.
1: Mel, I'm so glad you're not Siri anymore. Thank you. I mean, I like Siri.
0: Yeah, I, I have an antibiotic now, and I'm working on getting better, so I can at least talk better this week. Hi. Yes, hi. Anita, it's your birthday.
1: It is my birthday today. Happy birthday to me. I'm having a hard time being happy about my birthday. Why? It's been a rough week. Just a lot of kid- drama and also i have been anticipating this birthday for a while and it's because i have caught up to jason and to be honest i'm pissed off because like i think about if i died right now what a ripoff that would be I'm so mad about it like he uh anyway that's how i'm feeling so He died when he was 42, and I'm turning 42 today. So, I don't know. I don't know. That's a really strange concept to wrap your head around,
0: you know? A lot of our widow friends say the same thing, where they've come up to or passed the birthday of the age that their Mm -hmm. person was when they died. And it's pretty hard for a lot of people.
1: Yeah. And, I mean... I think it might be hard also when I surpass how old he was, but I just think about my life ending right now and that that would be not okay with me. And all of the things that he's missing out on and the fact that he's not here to help and um it just it just feels like a ripoff right now. So and this week has just been like my kids have really, really tested my patience and my parenting ability. And so it's kind of like one thing has rolled into the other thing. And I'm just kind of grouchy. And, you know, it's really nice to have that one person who, you know, appreciates you and will be nice to you on on your special birthday.
0: (laughs) And I don't have that guy anymore. So someone that's not your widow wife, because I have a present for you and you're going to get it later today. okay good i think you'll really appreciate it but i'm sorry that i'm not jason yeah i'm not so yes
1: yesterday i had this funny experience like my kids didn't even know it was my birthday they kind of knew but my one son his birthday is in one month and he was like mom it's almost my birthday and i was like oh is it (laughs) (laughs) thinking it's almost my birthday too and I'm like, what do you like to do on your birthday? And he's like, oh, I like to spend my time with friends and family. And I was like, okay, and what else? And he's like, I like it when people give me presents and I like to be special for the day.
0: <laughs> and I'm just like, I like those things too. <laughs> so how do you do that as a parent? Do you say, guess what? My birthday is this day and it's coming up? Or do you just ignore it? Like they should know, but they shouldn't. They're children. They don't even like know what day of the week it is. What yeah, do you do? I don't,
1: I don't. I don't know what the answer to that question is, but finally last night I was like screaming at them because I was like, "Can you guys just do your chores?" and they're like, "No." And I'm like, "That's all I want for my birthday." And They're like, "What? It's your birthday." <laughs> and then did they do their chores? No. 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 And we always we have a tradition we um I make birthday breakfast. For somebody's birthday but I'm like I'm not making my own birthday breakfast that's lame so in the morning they're like mom where's the birthday breakfast and I'm like I don't know you guys didn't make it for me so we're not
0: having it there's some cereal and they're like <laughs> I don't think you would have wanted them to make you a birthday breakfast it would have <laughs> been full of like a potion like mixed with raw eggs shampoo some, some tinker toys and legos <laughs> Maybe. in the blender okay Maybe. well birthday to you Thank you, thank you. My week was uneventful because I have been in bed for a long time. This is yeah, you've week been number sick two for a long time. I know, so for the first part of my sickness, I couldn't really do anything but sleep, and the second part, I have been like so bored, so I decided to learn how to <laughs> animate things. <laughs> That's been my week. I've gotten a lot
1: of people barfing. <laughs>
0: yeah kind made of kind ma-
1: gif type things
0: yeah but aren't they fun I've made aliens <laughs> <laughs> I know.
1: so really I'm like Mel this is the perfect use for your time like there's you need to be doing this you're obviously this is your calling it is
0: my calling and I wasn't able to do anything regarding audio because my ears have been so plugged up and mm. and sinus <laughs> stuff has been hard so I'm like well my eyes are working Well, one eye is working. I have a patch on right now because I have a migraine. (laughs) One of my eyes hurts. So I can learn how to animate and draw. With one eyed Yeah. One eye, no ears. I mean, Widowhead's all about learning new skills, right? So here's another one. Not that I'm even good at it. It just is something I'm trying. So it makes me think of our friends that have said that drawing has helped them to kind of process their emotions. So it's been kind of fun. Like art. Hopefully this next week is better for you and better for me. Yeah, I ho- I hope so. Guess
1: what this week is though, Mel? What? It's the last week of school. Is that bad? It's a mixed bag. It means that I don't have to like wake them up in the morning to do things, but it also means that they're home all the time and they never go anywhere and they're just around with me. So.
0: <laughs> Your favorite. And it's Memorial Day. Oh, next weekend too. Oh, wow. All right, you guys, that means that it's time to gird the loins if if you celebrate Memorial Day, which I believe is a it's a military holiday, right? But we all kind of take it over. Yeah,
1: it's technically for people who have died in wars, but we have started to use it for memorializing all the people who are dead. So, and I don't know if celebrate is the right word, but
0: observe, maybe. Okay, whatevs. Yeah. Usually you come with me to Scott's grave and we unicorn vomit on his grave. And now we have my dad. I don't know if you're oh. going gonna to be available this time. Dang but it. I have a great plan for my you dad's do? grave this time. Yeah. it's gonna What? Be, it has to do with tennis balls. I'll fill you in later. I just want to <laughs> surprise you. Okay. It sounds great. I shall make myself available for you. Okay. Thank you. My dad actually was a veteran and so was my grandpa. Oh. So yeah, we have double cause
1: i didn't know that about him
0: yeah that's cool so to everybody who is preparing for that coming up high fives and hugs to you eat some cheese if you don't like cheese eat a donut if you don't eat those (laughs) things go eat a carrot or nothing take a nap all all of those things
1: are are highly acceptable and appropriate Yes, um mel what Should the people listening join us in the Widow Wives Club? Yes or no?
0: Mm, I think the answer is always yes. Unless they don't like our style, then no. Yeah, cool. And then why would you be listening to this if you didn't like us? So it's Maybe they don't know yet. Well, the Widow Wives
1: Club is on Facebook. It's our private group. Just make sure you answer all of the questions that we have asked, and then we'll let you in. And... We include anybody who has sustained partner loss, married, unmarried.
0: Yes. No matter the legality of your partnership situation, you belong if you have lost that person. So please join us. It's an inclusive group. And we have found that so many of our members are very loving and accepting and supportive and that people have gleaned many uh, supportive time from our members. So please join us. Sometimes we have jokes yeah. in there, too. So, like, it's not all like, oh, everyone's dead. I mean, it is, but it's also like, <laughs> here's tacos. Here's a joke. There's here's a balance.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yes. yes. And um, can I just make a request? It's my birthday, and my kids, you know, didn't get me anything. So, will you please get me something? That's not true. My son did get me a bag of licorice, for which I am grateful. But will you please give us a rating and review for my birthday? I love those things. They make me happy. So give us a nice rating and review on Apple Podcasts. And I think you can only actually do a rating on Spotify and not a review. Maybe.
0: Oh, yeah, I think that's true. Yeah, they're kind of yeah, slow to the game, but they're getting but there.
1: Go do that for me and I will. it will make my heart happy and I will have a happier birthday if you will do that. Shameless, shameless
0: uh, beg from <laughs> Anita. <laughs> If you'd also like to support the podcast, please consider joining our Patreon. It's super fun. You get ad-free content. We also have an app in any app store that's free, which directs you to all of the things that we're talking about today. So, Widow Wives Club, Patreon... Other things we're going to mention in a bit. But before we get to that, let's do a shout out, because that is one of the perks that you get as a patron starting at the $10 a month level and up. What do you say, Anita?
1: I say, aye, aye, cap'n. Okay. We're going to start with our secret dead husband. And to her, we say,
0: (laughs) Voulez-vous widow avec moi ce soir?
1: I told Mel it didn't make any sense.
0: Thank you, Secret Dead Husband. Next, we have Constance Dahlbeck, David Kelly, Don Satterwhite, Gail Bell, Ivan the Meisner,
1: who sent me the most amazing card over the internet.
0: Kat, Krista Waite,
1: Maya Glasser, Sam Finlayson, Amber Vela, Amy Hartman Martell, Amy Neal, Amy Sapp, Ashley Hahn, Barbara Schneeberger, Brittany Pedro, Chris Steffen. Your Siri voice last week, like, massacred half of these names.
0: Christina Shiflett. Cindy Wilkerson. Danielle Catterberg. Nada Debbie Downer. Dennis Brazo. Jean Marie Massey. Jenny Taylor. Jennifer Beale. Jennifer Brown. Jennifer E. Hassel. Jenny Wayne. Kathy Murray. Kelly Ford. Kirsten
1: Stromberg Claussen. Lauren Old. Leslie Webb
0: Auntie Marie Hoffman M.K. Anderson Patricia Wiest Rachel Barbosa Woo-woo. Sarah Morris Sylvia the Widow Shore Taylor Snyder Karen Cornejo Vicki Spit the Widow of Kirkoff Anna Tracy
1: Christina Scambato Christine Anderson Sydney Raynaud Don Barber Debbie Fells Deborah Westwood Diana Becker Emily Toledo
0: Eric Vandermuhlen Aaron Posick Gabe Lozano Gia Benoit Gina Haas Ian Cini, Iliana Bell Jacinda Coyle <laughs> Mi Mamacita Jane Jenny Armstrong Jenny Barrow Jocelyn Milo Julie Stevenson Karina Jacobo, Katie Radcliffe, Cara Scara, Kevin Ferry, Chris Morgan, Lara Bradbury, Lara Keeley, oh.
1: Lindsay Kanapka,
0: Lucky, <laughs> Lori Farrington, Judy Malkin, Marjorie Lewis, Mary McGowan, Megan Montague, Melissa Bowers, Melissa Hancock, Daughter Missy, Peter Rukavina
1: Becky Zebra like, Z- <laughs> Becky Zeba <Ziva. laughs> The Zebra The Zebra Becky Zeba The Zebra Sarah Kennedy Stacy Saywert Sunshine Haven Love you, Sunshine Tammy Vest,
0: Tara Wallace Val Becker, And Z-Pack Wendy Ooh, she's that's like worth some
1: money, man, those Z-Packs I know I have a refill. Thank you to everybody who supports us on Patreon. We certainly, certainly appreciate the support that you give to us. It allows us to keep making the podcast for you and as well as all the other widows out
0: there who we're trying to get in touch and reach. We could not do this without you and helping us allows us to help others. So thank you to those who have supported us in this way. If you're not able to support us on Patreon and would like to buy us tacos, go to buymeacoffee.com slash widow we do now. Mmm, tacos sound good. I can't taste them Uh, yet. I cannot taste anything. But don't worry. Anita can eat my half right now.
1: Yay. So Camp Widow's coming up. We're going to be coming to San Diego in July. We'll be there very briefly, and then we'll be running away to our corners of the planet And then we're also going to be coming to Australia in August. Cannot wait. It's going to be really fun, except for that whole flying for 30 million hours to get there.
0: So if you are on the fence about coming because you don't know what it's like to go alone to something, just remember that mostly everybody that's gone to Camp Widow has gone alone and they've left with friends. So it's a very safe place and you will find community. So we would love to see you there. Please check out their site, campwidow.org. We'd love to see you absolutely mel are we ready to get to our episode today Mm-hmm. and i love this lady she's so much fun so i can't wait for our listeners to get to know her as well
1: let's do it i'm anita i'm mel we're two young widows one having a stupid birthday and <laughs> one who is eternally sick and we're trying to figure <laughs> out widow we do
0: now it's true huh
2: this episode is sponsored by the meisner family foundation in memory of elizabeth meisner
1: sometimes we assume that unless we had a huge life insurance payout we don't really need to know anything about investments or even finances but guess what a little knowledge of finances is critical for all of us Maybe your partner was in charge of that stuff, and now you find yourself making all the decisions. Maybe you're mad about that. Maybe I am. Nicole from the He's Gone But the Money's Not podcast is here to help. She tackles financial literacy by telling the stories of women and widows and finance experts and shares the lessons they've learned as certified financial planners. Whether you know a lot and feel confident in your financial decisions or feel unsure about all of that stuff, there is more to learn. Listen and subscribe to the He's Gone, but the Money's Not podcast on all podcast platforms. This ad was paid for by Rock House Financial and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. Today we have our friend, Julie, what's your actual last name? Martella,
0: Julie Martella. (laughs) Martella. Julie N- N- Nutella.
1: <laughs> we gave her a different last name, so we should probably g- like let her tell us her real name. So Julie Martella. Yes? Yes. Where are you recording from? Other than your
2: closet. Okay. I am recording from the farm on 15th Avenue in Central California.
1: 15th Avenue sounds like it belongs in New York, not the farm in California. Okay, we're going to have to learn more about the farm, but I
0: think first we have to back up a little ways, don't we? You might. You might. I remember the first time I met you, it was so long ago. It was two weeks ago. It was so long. <laughs> Probably at the time this comes out, a month and two weeks ago, at the table, the registration table for Camp Widow in Tampa. It was lovely. It's nice to have you here, and we would love to hear your widowhood story. Sorry that you're one of us. It's stupid. I know. I know. Why
1: don't you tell us about your person first? Who they were, how you met, name, social security number.
0: Back of the credit card, three pins. The three, the three numbers?
2: Yes, of course I will. So my husband's name was also Jason. Jason. I know, I know. You cannot swing a cat and not hit a Jason in this world right now. So, sweet Jason. He was a farmer and he was a fourth or fifth generation farmer. And we met in the third grade. Aww. Yes. We went to uh, Catholic school together. I was usually in trouble writing on the board and he got to go out to recess. But we went to school together starting young. And I didn't know this until recently, but he had told my brother-in-law he had the biggest crush on me in the third grade. So anyway, that makes me so happy, (laughs) but it's cute. We went to school together. We We were on parallel paths. We reconnected in our mid twenties and we, it was just meant to be. And I came home from my second date and I told my sisters, I could marry that man. That is the perfect man for me. So, and we got married a year later and we were married. Wait, yeah. We've gone
1: past third grade, right? Well, barely, barely. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> so fifth grade? Fifth grade, we decided to get married. At okay, 25, perfect. we made it official. So. Okay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, when you were in fifth grade, was it a thing to ask to be your Valentine? Yes i
0: guess
1: i don't know i feel like it's a newer thing because my kids are like so and so is going to be by valentine yeah. and i'm like what does that mean and it means yeah. they buy each other a bigger candy to right. exchange.
2: Right. So. No, we didn't we didn't do that the nuns barely okay. let us do anything
0: right so oh, those darn nuns Can <laughs> we first just talk about what catholic school was like are all the stories true <laughs> yes Yes. <laughs> really?
2: Did they hit you with rulers? Yes. If I asked too many questions, she would hit me with a ruler.
1: <laughs> I would not have done well, not because of asking questions, but just because of goofing off. Well,
2: and we got, we spent a lot of time. I did spend a lot of time writing lines during recess. I didn't last long in Catholic school. Jason, he made it all the way. Mm, I, to the Pope, he made it all the way to the Pope. I did not. So you got kicked out. <laughs> no we were
0: removed
1: <laughs> which is a nice way of saying okay that's the nice so... way of
0: saying that you are fun and the best
2: <laughs>
1: yes <At> 25 <laughs> you made it official and married your third grade sweetheart
2: i at 25 we began the journey together and i married okay. this little man that i didn't even know we just reconnected so oh.
1: super sweet. So tell us about your life. Then you started living on a farm.
2: Yeah. Well, we lived off the farm. He was, so he farmed. And so we had a little house out on the edge of town. I was a teacher and he was a farmer. And, um, pretty quickly we found out we were pregnant. We weren't expecting that. I was like a big surprise. The first baby was due on our first anniversary. And, um, so we hit the ground running, and uh second baby came along 22 months later, also not expected, but we dealt with that too. Oh. This sounds like Anita. <laughs> <laughs> like, Whatever, I waited seven years
1: till I had a baby, so.
0: Oh, well, I thought I was. It, it just didn't happen that way. <laughs> but Anita, you got married at 19.
1: I know. True. So. True. My first, I had my first baby when I was 26. Yeah, so you guys are
0: kind of around the same
2: age. We right? kind of, yeah. When I was we 29 or 28 and 30. So, okay. Yeah. And we actually had, de- we're developing a, like a good rhythm and a good life. Right. Um, and then one Friday in October, I went to school. I had a little sick kid that was my front row Joe, because he needed lots of attention. Right. And he got me sick. And I came home and I never went back to work. So.
0: Could, why? What? Okay. Are you okay? Do you want to talk about this?
2: Oh, well, we could talk about it. It's easy. It's quick.
0: Um, I,
2: I uh, ended up with a, you know, it's kind of a worst case scenario that kept building on top of each other. And I ended up oh, with okay. uh, bacterial meningitis and encephalitis. Yeah. So. There's my brain injury. That's my internal brain injury. Um, And that was, and that was the end of my gig. so you
1: stopped bringing in the the millions of dollars from teaching because your brain was going nuts on itself. Yes. Yeah. So encephalitis is like inflammation of the brain and it does similar things to having like a traumatic brain injury. So we were talking about this a little bit before how both Mel and Julie have had their brains give them trouble. Through different means, so
0: yeah. How was that for you, as a parent and just as a basic human? Um,
2: it was. It was really hard. I had to relearn a lot of things. I don't know how yours was, Mel. Um, I had to learn how to talk again. I couldn't see very well. Um, I always wanted to fall to the right, like I was on a boat. Um, and I, mm. I was listing, I always, and if I get tired to this day, I list. So, wow. Um, and I lost a lot of my memory. So yes. So it's kind of the equivalent of having like an old union worker as a secretary of all the information <laughs> in your head. And she's going to retire. and she's had too many cocktails and she's like, I can do it. I can finish my shift. Right. That's my mind. And it was challenging having children because these little creatures needed to be fed, and I had to remember to feed them. Um, and they went to, thank God, my husband, he'd take them to daycare. So there was shorter periods of time in the beginning that I had to take care of them. Um, but it was very challenging because as a yeah, farmer, no days off you don't farmers. have the luxury
1: of staying home yeah.
2: or taking over the kids.
1: Um, can we just talk about what no, you farmed? no or farm because in my mind i have this picture of what a farm is and then when you told me what you farmed i was like what that's not what you grow on farms like cabbages
2: onions
0: i don't and know you are overalls and you're like spreading seed to chickens what type of farm do you have
2: well currently i have a walnut farm and i grow walnuts which looks like a giant orchard of trees. And then at the home, the home place, I live on the farm. So the homestead is what it's called. I have, um, I used to have a bunch of chickens and we had sheep and we had some cows sometimes, but those have all since gone away. So now I just have just the trees. Is that
1: what Jason farmed as well? He always farmed walnuts. Is that his family's legacy? No. Actually,
2: oh. actually, no. It's a good story. He so he we farmed food for cows. So we farmed things oh. like hay, uh, corn, uh, sorghum, wheat, those types of things. We also always had some cotton because he liked it. And then he had these animals, and they were just for his enjoyment. He just enjoyed them. They were not for, uh, we didn't grow them to butcher them. They were like our pets, like we had pet cows, right? Oh, but when we built, when we found this parcel of land, we decided, he decided that he wanted to grow nuts because nuts was a permanent crop and a permanent crop was easy. It made it easier for him to go back and forth between the ranches. Mm. But the beautiful thing about that is he, he created this walnut orchard he conceived it, he planted it, mm. he, he nurtured it. He did like basically the first five on this beautiful orchard that is completely his.
1: Wow. So, yeah. You know, when I think of farmers, sorghum, that comes to mind first, for sure. I Yale don't
0: even sorghum, know what that is. Farmer, neither do I. Blessed <laughs> be the farmers that actually know what sorghum is and those of us who... Should be grateful for those who farm sorghum. Thank you. You're welcome.
1: <laughs> okay. So you're living your happy brain injured life. You're getting better from that. You've got two kids. You've got a husband who's farming all the time. Yes. Tell us more.
2: Um, and, and And after the brain injury, he became my external memory. So Jason... He no longer was just my husband. He was also like my enabler of life so that I could do life. Um, He helped, you know, he was like doing this all the time, back and forth, back and forth, reminding me, teaching me how to keep track of things because I had to learn everything again. So he really had a very significant role in my life above and beyond just the man that I loved, right? Mm -hmm. He did everything.
1: So he was also a caretaker in a way.
2: Yeah, kind of.
1: Yeah, Yeah. kind of helping you to get back to functioning. And yes, yes.
2: And you know, we always made the decision early on that we were never going to be upset about what I could not do. Instead, we always looked at what I could do. Hmm. And then when things got messed up, we just
0: learned to laugh it off. I go, well, that happens. So you have a brain injury. You have kids. How many kids did you and Jason have together? We have two daughters. Two daughters. Yeah. And you're going along your life. You guys have figured out how to be a team and learning how to cope with your limitations or with what you are able to do. I like that you guys did that. And then what happened? And then that man upped and died. WTF. Right? The nerve. (laughs) Was he... Was he eating sorghum? Is that what happened? No.
2: <laughs> but it all started, I made him some popcorn. And we went on it. Well, I know, right? Sometimes I think, sometimes in the early days, I used to think, did I kill him by popcorn? Like, you know, you have all these crazy thoughts. Uh, he yeah. was a sudden death. And he somehow, start, starting with popcorn, he got diverticulitis. And then had a perforated colon. So they had to go in, do this horrible surgery, um, and then abruptly decided to send him home. And we lived out of town and sent him home with no blood thinners. And guess what? The man popped a blood clot and died on me on the bathroom floor.
0: Oh my gosh. All of those
1: things are awful. And this is the first popcorn-related death I've ever heard of. I know. I
0: I I don't want to be a jerk or insensitive. Mm. I kind of want to call you the popcorn murderer, but I feel like that's kind of rude. (laughs) I know. Every time I eat popcorn, I have that brief thought. I have that brief thought. This is
2: what killed my husband. (laughs) Yeah. uh, Also, not really. No, it wasn't. It was the first... It was the first event in a chain of events. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And also if you get diverticulitis, it usually means that you have diverticulum. And so you have a, you have a diseased or an abnormal colon that the popcorn gets into those little pockets and causes an abscess or causes an infection. So if you have a normal, like if you had a normal colon, you can eat all the popcorn you want. Yes,
0: goodness. We have a medical professional on the show that can help save me from terrible jokes.
2: (laughs) It, you know, <laughs> it's, it
0: sounds like she stayed at a Holiday Inn. <laughs>
1: yes, I'm not a doctor, but I stayed at a Holiday Inn yes. Express.
0: <laughs> How old were your kids when this
2: happened? The, they had just graduated from the eighth grade, so so 14, and my oldest daughter had just turned 16. Mm, perfect timing. Perfect perfect
1: girls that age are very stable very and really have their lives put together they do i'm sure it was totally fine it's totally
2: fine and one of them was in france at the time what yeah and we had to bring her oh we had to call her on the phone and tell her her dad died and then send someone to go get her and bring her home was she traumatized from phone calls from then on no but she is traumatized of travel it's been a real struggle this intense anxiety of if I leave, what will happen? Yeah. Right. And we work and we work on that. We work on that. How old are they now? They are now. uh, God, they just had birthdays 19 and 21. So. So it's been
1: about five years.
0: We're on
2: four and a half
1: years right now. Four and a half years. Oh, yeah. yeah, You're Mm. like me.
0: We are similar. Oh, (laughs) oh, my gosh. I can relate with the traveling part. So you found him. So you have some PTSD. That's fun. Oh, no, I didn't find him.
2: He collapsed on me. Oh, in the bathroom. And I and I ran to get my daughter. I don't know what the hell I was thinking. But I ran to get my daughter Allison and screamed at her to go get help. She's in the eighth grade. I don't know what I was thinking. But she went and got help. She got her, she took a vehicle and went to the neighbor's house and got help. Um, I, we didn't know what was happening, right? And I'm, yeah. I'm going to tell you that um, I thought he just was laying on the floor and he's like, I can't breathe. And I can't breathe. And I kept saying, It's okay. And I'm going to tell you that, that he was dying. Now, now I know he was dying, but at the time we didn't know. And I just kept telling him, I love you. It's okay. Let's just breathe together, and and then he was passed. Then he was unconscious, and then and you know and I called nine one one, and it and we started CPR. Um, and the crazy thing is, is I kept he wore glasses, and his glasses were fogging up, and I kept trying to clean his glasses because I kept thinking when he wakes up, he's not going to be able to see. I need to clean his glasses. And I was very adamant the whole time, like I kept cleaning his glasses. Um, But the neighbors came. We continued CPR. Uh, the paramedics came. We drug his body, like they drug it out of the bathroom and into the hallway. We threw furniture aside so we could get to him, and and they paddled him, and there was nothing. And they paddled him, and there was nothing. And when they were leaving the house, I remember the paramedic was talking to the hospital and saying, "You know, male, leaving, no pulse." Um. And we went to the hospital and then they told us at the hospital that he died at the hospital. So
1: normally when this happens, we know that they do an autopsy and it takes a few months. So did you have any idea what had happened until the autopsy report came back? Or was it a mystery to you?
2: Well, the beautiful that we had no idea. Well, he'd had a heart attack already at 40. What? I know. I know. So we thought as we're driving to the hospital, my neighbor my neighbor, his name is Keith and he was my husband's best friend and they had gone all the way through Catholic school together. Right. And he was driving to the hospital and I said, he kept saying, man, we're going to get to the hospital and find out he had another heart attack. And we just kept thinking that. So I
0: hate the story. No offense. I know
1: because this is like little house on the Prairie. You're supposed to
0: have like a charmed life with a john boy or something in the corner right and tell me about it tell me about doing it doing chores you at one point had sheep like that's cute and stinky but cute yes i hate it this is. this is not going how i would have hoped
1: yeah and now you have to make some decisions about said farms because what what do you do
2: right well the What happened was the we had two ranches or two farms. One of them was immediately taken over by uh, the family members. They, so they took it over and finished out the crops that were on it. Um, the home ranch, which is where the walnut orchard is, you know, he died in June and you're in the middle of the season and the trees don't care that its owner just died. Like that's the reality. Um, and we, we had, we had a really quick decision to make. And I had, I was very fortunate that I had the farming community stepped in. They're amazing people and they would step in and they started taking over and they started helping. But what happened was within, within the first two irrigations, the guy who's supposed to be irrigating who was his best friend and he was devastated and he was not functioning well. I, he's a wonderful man. who's broken. You know, he goes and he gets in a fight and he breaks ribs and he disappears for three days. Well, we're trying to irrigate. So the writing was on the wall really fast that you have, Julie, there's a decision to be made here. Either you're going to learn how to take care of this or you're going to lose it. Like that's the options. And if I lose the farm, then we lose everything. Like it, it's, it was, it wasn't, there were no like easy choices. It was either lose
0: everything or figure it out.
1: Yeah. Or get to work.
0: I have a question. Re brain injury. At what point were you in with, with your recovery with this? Like, were you still, is this where, when you would get tired, you would still kind of lean? Like, were you having memory problems? Like, because the death of a spouse is like its own brain injury too. <laughs> So you had that plus an existing brain injury, and then a farm. So, what was your your actual brain? So, like at, at that time? okay, so at that point, as the,
2: it had already been a good ten years, so any recovery that had been made was made. Uh, my language was was good enough. I still say things kind of funny. My memory was not good, but I became very good at organizing things, because I did not have an internal organizing system. So I became very good at externally organizing my day, my time, I had lists, I had homes for everything. So everything was well organized. So as long as you followed the plan, we were okay. That's almost like a good preparation for widowhood. Yeah. Crazy, right? Yeah. Crazy. uh, Unbelievably crazy. So, um, okay. So you're, you gotta,
1: you gotta get to work. You gotta take care of the walnuts. I don't even know how you take care of walnuts, but you, you water them, you talk to them, you fertilize <laughs> them. Yes. You yes. Pick them. yes. You keep, you keep the birds off of them.
2: You know? Okay. You what about birds. bugs? Yes. You keep you, bugs from eating do. the trees. You have to treat the bugs.
0: So and so, they, and then what? Okay. So well, you have to make the decision first that you're going to keep it. Okay, yes. So true. we're going to keep it. And I'm going
2: to, and what happened was, so I had the second thing that happened was the gentleman that was taking care of things for me, had a conversation I would start asking him questions because I, I had to learn how to do this. And he got frustrated with me very quickly. And he said, we got a white fence around the house. And he said, "Listen." you take care of the stuff on that side of the fence, which was the children, the house and the girls. And I'll take care of everything on this side of the fence. And don't ask questions.
0: Nope. Nope.
2: So nope. guess what? He had to go. And he, he was very unhappy with me because I was ruining his best friend's orchard. So we, we, ha- we finished off the first set of time with him and then he had to go. And
0: then, and then, yes. You know what I have to say to that? If he was mad that you were, quote, ruining his best friend's orchard, he shouldn't have been a jerk to his best friend's wife. The end. Um, I perhaps agree with that. <laughs> Continue. Yes. So, yeah. And the other thing that happened
2: was nobody, because everyone thinks I'm a functioning idiot, right? I mean, right? I don't remember things. I confuse things. You could hold a gun in my head sometimes and I can't remember things. And everyone was like, she can't do this. So everybody, nobody wanted to support it except my neighbor, Keith. And Keith said and his wife, Renee, and they said, no, she can do this. Julie can learn how to do this. So I had this whole group of people passive aggressively opposing me. And then I had Keith and Renee who were like, Gap, you know, rounding up the wagons and helping me and teaching me and Renee would feed me and tell me, come down here and eat and, you know, take care of things. And key uh, at the time of this recording, he was, and is he's a district attorney. And that man would come home from work and meet me in the field, go change
0: his clothes and meet me in the field. And we would figure stuff out. What, how does he have time for this? He, he works a lot. So Thank you, friends. You know what? If you've had a brain injury and you've put in so much work, you can do anything. We just have to do it differently.
2: Yes. We just do it different. Yeah.
0: You relearn how to
2: do it. So one of the things that we had to do is you have your beautiful rows. You have rows of trees, right? And then in between the rows, the weeds grow. When you water, it creates weeds and the weeds grow. So you either have to spray the weeds with chemicals Or you have to mow them. Well, when I mix chemicals to spray the weeds, I went and got, it's called your PCA license. It's your pesticide applicators license, which they said, you can't do that. So I got it. And, but I always felt like I was mixing up a nuclear bomb. So I was always really afraid to mix the chemicals. So I, I was always very afraid. So anyway, I would mow. well, you have to be able to drive the tractor to mow the weeds. And the other people in my life, they were like, no, we're not going to teach you how to
0: mow the tractor because you shouldn't be doing this.
2: And Keith said, yes, you should. And I'm going to teach you how to mow the tractor to drive the tractor.
0: Why is it their business what you should and shouldn't be doing? I think that's awesome. It was, it was really a hard thing because these people have a manual that
2: says this is the type of person who should be farming. And I did not fit anywhere in their manual. And I, and I wasn't raised on a farm, right? So I had all these things. They were like, this will never, ever work. But guess what? It will work because if I don't do it, then I lose everything. What am I going to do? Do you know how to prune trees? Do you have to do that? I did a little bit. I would do light pruning. Oh, I, have sto- I have a story about that. Okay. Tell us your pruning story. Well, okay. So, I, well, I'll get to that. Okay. The, the, the key taught me to drive the tractor. The other people would not teach me to drive the tractor because it was this passive aggressive opposition. So what, what we would do and you have to get up really early to be a farmer because you could only farm until it gets to a certain temperature and then you have to stop. Um, so we would go out and I would have to mow the orchard. You either have to spray chemicals or I had to mow? and I learned how to mow and And I will say that I only caught the tractor equipment on fire one time. (laughs) Good job. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And you know, we were in some high, I was in some high weeds in the morning and I had, and of course I always farmed with a dress on because why wouldn't you like, I'm not, why would you put jeans on to go out and be hot all day when you could put on a sundress and some flip-flops. So I have my flannel (laughs) shirt on got my dress on. I'm having some coffee. I'm driving the tractor and I get into some high weeds. And my neighbor, Keith had said, if it gets stuck, man, you just ramp it up and keep going. Right. So I did that. Well, I spent it so high and so hard that smoke started coming out. And Oh, wait, wait. And did I tell you that my property backs up to the highway? Oh boy. So. Oh. Everybody can see this. So anyway, I decided I made the decision. I was not going to call the fire department, come hell or high water and have everybody in the world, drive down the highway, see the fire department coming to save me. But there was a canal right there. So I dumped out my coffee and I ran back and forth from the canal and dumped water on everything that was smoking and put the fire out. Problem solved. (laughs) Easy. Easy. I solved it, I, and I learned a really valuable lesson. Because guess what, right? You just have to learn the lessons. So um, that's farming one hundred and one. Put right. out the
1: fire with your coffee cup
2: by the canal, right? And by the way, I've never told anyone that story. You were no one knows that that even happened. So, and now the widow world knows. Now the widow world knows. So, so. but you know, that's just how it was. We just had to learn how to do the things. I learned my lessons. You keep going. You just, every day you keep going. What needs to be done today? I hired a man to tell me when to water because there's a certain, there's a science to watering. And some of the other farmers, they would always say you're watering too much. Well, I just listened to my guy. My guy would tell me you need to apply. You need to water this much this week. And so Either I would use the sprinkler system and Keith would come out on water days and you have to drive your lines and you have to look for where the coyotes have chewed them up or they've broken. And then you have to fix them. Yeah. Yes. All these things. Stupid coyotes. Oh, I hate the coyotes. Or if, if you, and I learned if I couldn't fix the lines, I could open, I could use a valve wrench and I could open valves and I could flood irrigate, which is the, the traditional older method of farming. So, you know, so I had a parade of these white trucks driving down my road because all these gentlemen were just looking at the trucks. Like, what in the hell is that crazy woman doing? I was doing what they told me to. I was farming and it wasn't pretty and it wasn't the way they did it. And maybe they were jealous because they didn't get to wear a dress. And I did, like, I don't know, but (laughs) it was getting done. It got done. And I did that for three seasons. Wow. So are you still doing it? Well, no. Oh, no. No. So my last season, so the season starts, like the season's starting right now, and it lasts till November. And my last season, I had, um, we we talked about bugs and bug problems. I had this thing called husk fly, which turns your nuts black, and you don't want black nuts. Don't tell a dude that. I know we have lots of nut conversations, and it makes them shrivel. You don't want shriveled <laughs> nuts either. You want, you want, you want. Listen, you want to have a nice white fleshed <sighs> nut. That's what you bake bread with. A plum? Oh my God!
1: White fleshed nut.
2: Yes.
0: You don't I'm want sorry. them shriveled, <laughs> and you don't want them black. There's a lot of life lessons in this. <laughs> I know. So, but guess
2: what? The husk fly will, will suck everything out of that nut. So then it shrivels and then it turns black. So my pesticide advisor, I would tell him, Hey, something's not right out here. Something's not right. He'd say, well, you're watering too much because everyone thought I was watering too much. And I'd say, no, something's not right. No, you're watering too much. And then wh- a young kid, like from the junior college came out and he goes, he goes, Miss Julie, I think you have husk fly. And I said, What is that? And he told me, Well, then we start examining the orchard. I have husk fly everywhere. And husk fly is just this fly that comes in and it lands and it lays all the eggs and does all the damage. And it was devastating that this. And then when I called the uh, advisor, he continued to adamantly insist there was nothing wrong that I was watering too much. And finally, as I start sending him pictures, and another farmer, a trusted farmer comes out. He's like, you've got big problems out here. And uh, we, had to har- we had to harvest early to get rid of, you know, because it was, the damage was happening. And then we had to come out and do a second harvest. And then at that point, I finally made the decision that I, I could do, and I, had, and I had blown out my knee. I had, torn, I had torn pieces of my knee and I continued to farm because there was no one else to do it. So it wasn't right. Failure is not an option. But at this point, I decided that I had turned, I had gone from taking over what my husband did to I had become my husband. And in that process, I had lost the balance. My children needed a mother and I had become the farmer and, and I was injured and I could not take care of the orchard properly. And I was tired of fighting men. You know, I had Keith in my corner and that was about it. So did, did you sell the, the farm? I did not. I did not. I still own the farm. What I did is my neighbor who farms, he took over the farming for, for me. So, so to this day, I still get to help with the farm, but my help is the equivalent of a toddler in the kitchen with a spatula saying, I help, I help, you know? He does all the big work. I I walk the rows, I do I pick up trash because we live by the freeway so there's always that problem. You know, that's the work that I do.
0: You mentioned that you had become your husband by taking over his farm and all of this. Did you have a chance to grieve while you were in that time frame or did that come after? Well, that's a really good point.
2: Because for three years, I did not grieve and I did not deal with my PTSD. I ran from it. And you can do a really good job when you are working to the point of exhaustion every single day to not have to deal with it. And so even though I'm four and a half years out, it wasn't until I hit the beginning of year four that... And I had to stop, right? I had to stop and I had surgery so I couldn't do it anymore, that my grief and all of that trauma was just waiting to be dealt with. I have
1: so many questions that are not pertinent to the podcast about walnuts, you guys.
0: (laughs) This is pertinent. (laughs) Go for it. Okay.
1: (laughs) I just need you to know that growing up, my grandparents had two or three giant black walnut trees and my grandma used to pay me 25 cents to fill up a bucket full of walnuts. Do you know how many walnuts fit in a bucket? A lot. A lot. That's my first point that I'd like to make. <laughs> I have feelings about walnuts. Yeah. And the second thing is is when you're talking about those husk flies, so my grandma um, she got dementia, and she had a basement apartment that Jason and I lived in for a couple of years. And she could not throw anything away. And she, the walnuts were not, they were shrivelled <laughs> and not great. But she brought inside once like bags and bags and bags and bags of walnuts. And I didn't know this, but there were, F- these weird flies that hatched out of the walnuts and were covering every surface of the house—is that husk fly? Yes.
2: Ew. That's that's either husk fly or a kissing cousin. They have kissing cousin become of the husk fly. <gasps> oh, of the husk fly. Those husk flies—they—they they basically put the larvae and they—they they nest in those mummy nuts right? The nuts that didn't get harvested become mummies and that becomes their home and then they hatch out. Yes. And it was like, we didn't know that she'd brought all those
1: walnuts inside. So I was just like, what is going on? We were vacuuming them up from the ceiling. My grandpa still has like places where you can see on the ceiling where they've been like smacked. Um, Yeah. And I was like, walnuts are gross, but now I've learned that they just had husk fly. How do you treat husk fly by the way?
2: Um, husk fly can be treated with a an effoliant, which means they have to come and either fly it on or spray it on with oh, these big machines. Yeah. Okay. Um, do you like walnuts? I like them enough. <laughs> I
0: don't like two hundred thousand pounds of them to eat, okay. but because I just don't even think they're that great. Okay, Julie. So you go from your husband being the farmer; he dies. You're learning how to be a walnut farmer yourself. You, in a way, become your husband. What kind of yield did you get from your orchard?
1: What was that like? Like, I think Mel is asking, "Were you a terrible farmer, or did you
0: get to be a because I'm, we're proud of you that you did the steps, and we know you did the steps, and you're like, "No, don't tell me what to do. I'm going to learn this." But there is always in farming the yield. So will you tell us about that? I will. Everything is measured in the
2: yield. And the first year was, you know, it was a smaller yield. The second year, we kind of made up for it a little bit. We're figuring it out. But the third year, which was all me and Keith, we produced a total of 200,000 pounds of nuts. And the previous year, we had produced 100,000 pounds of nuts. So we increased our yield by 50%. And that was
0: unheard of. Wow. It was unheard of. How many buckets do you think that would take Indita to fill? You know what? That's like a fifth grade math
2: problem.
1: Yeah. I, we, should, we should think about that and see. I mean, I might've come up with like 10, 15, $25 out of that yield. Maybe, maybe 50, maybe 50. Yeah, 20, 25 cents a bucket, man. That's right. Wow. Julie, I'm so proud of you because this is not an easy thing. It's, it's not only that you were taking over for your husband, something that you already knew how to do, you know, it's not like you were just stepping up and doing more. It's like you learned a whole new world and a whole new skill. That's a very specialized thing that you would have no reason to do other than your husband dropped dead on you because of the popcorn diverticulitis slash DBT.
2: Yes. Yes. And, you know, it taught me some very valuable lessons that have really helped me move forward in all areas of my life. And one of those is do not ever underestimate the power of what you can do because given the right circumstances, you can do anything. And and there were days that I would go out in the orchard, especially the early days when I was so upset and so consumed by my grief but nobody wanted you know if you tell the kids let's go work in the orchard they're going to hide from. So all I had to do to have some peace and quiet was just say I'll be out in the orchard. And I could go out in the orchard and I could cry and I could scream like scream at the top of my lungs. I need help. I can't do this. And then I'm telling you time after time somebody would drop into my lap that could do something you know, after I caught the tractor, the mower on fire, which we found out later, it was the belts. I had burned the belt. Um, there was a gentleman, his name was Jake. He became a good friend of mine. And he said, you know, I can fix this for you. And I said, can you fix this for me? And nobody knows about this (laughs) because I don't want anyone to know what happened. (laughs) And he said, yes. And he goes, and as a matter of fact, I'm going to come out here once a week and I'm going to check your equipment. Oh, right. nice guy. And, oh, super nice guy. And his, and his girlfriend, she was so understanding, right? Because everybody, if somebody helps you, everyone has lots of thoughts about that. And the thoughts were, he was helping me. And he helped me with the livestock. And I needed to get rid of the sheep because I had, these are too many living things that I had to take care of. So he helped me get the sheep to the sale. My daughter liked to show animals. She did FFA and 4-H he, God bless. him. he said, I will take over your daughter, like in this area. And so I lovingly refer to it to this day as the Jake and Allie shit show. <laughs> 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 and he took that oh. over and he and his, his girlfriend, Jean, they, they took Allie in this aspect over God. I don't know if it was God or the universe, or whatever you want to call it. People came into my life, you know, people like Keith, people like Jake people like my water guy, you know, we look like the bad news bears. Let's be real. It wasn't like we had a real high tech thing, but we did it. We did it.
1: Mel and I talk about that all the time, the synchronicity of the universe and how things happen. And it's hard to say it was just a coincidence, but it seems like the universe, like you said, universe or God or whoever you believe in is like, and now boop. Here you go. This is just to get you to
0: the next step. Yes. My dad just died, and my mom has been, thanks, and my mom has been experiencing that. It's just like, of course, it sucks, but it's like, okay, on the worst day, here come all these people that are unprompted, and you don't, you know, and it's like day after day after day, or, you know, and it's just, yes. The thing that's so funny and stupid about it is we wouldn't know that if we hadn't been experiencing the loss and the really gut-wrenching thing. So it's like this gigantic blessing and gift with the highest cost. Right. The highest cost. There's
2: There's a quote that I think about a lot with my life. And, you know, when I took over the farm, you know, I made a lot of people angry, right? A lot of people were not happy with the choices I was making. They were not happy with how I was handling things. And it used to bother me. And then I came across this quote that basically said that sometimes you need to scorch everything to the ground and start over. And after burning the soil, it becomes richer and new things can grow. And people are like that too. They start over, they find a way. And And that really, that I really think about that with my life, that the life that I had, Julie Martella, her life was gone the day my husband died. A new life began the day my husband died. And it's, and it has new things.
0: It's interesting. The reference to burning because burning is purification. I know, right? Yeah. Right. And so it can be. S- but it's also very painful.
2: Yeah. Like, so right. very
1: painful. And
2: it's destructive and it makes everything ugly and hideous, but then new life can grow. So I really think it's an apt, it's an apt, um, they're having a brain damage moment, whatever that word is, blank yeah. <laughs> of our <Analogies>? lives. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Metaphor. <laughs> yes. Those words, you know, I think it describes our lives as widowed people. The life that we knew is destroyed, but we have the opportunity to create a new life. Yeah.
0: Agreed. We can be whoever we want and do whatever we want. Yeah. Yeah. This was a big
2: part of our, our speech in Tampa. Well, I want to tell you, we're talking about the synchronicity of things happening. So after I I realized, you know, the last, the husk fly infestation And the subsequent early harvest and the, just the destruction in the orchard, it really broke my spirit and it really forced me to stop. And then my grief was waiting and the PTSD was waiting and I wasn't in a good place. And I was very isolated because I live on a farm, but, but the synchronicity is I finally had the courage to join this thing called meetup because they had a widow's group. And I was so, I had to connect. I was desperate to connect with widows. And that one event was life-changing for me. I got the chills. So.
0: <laughs> is that how you found Soaring Spirits?
2: Yes, that is how I found Soaring Spirits. And the group leader, this is, this is amazing. This is, the group leader, her name is Teresa Beshwaite, And she presents at Tampa, or she, not, she presented at Tampa, and she's called the sudden widow coach. So she runs the meetup group and we come to our zoom call and I'd never zoomed before. And I didn't know how to zoom and I figured it out and we start talking and she's like, you're a farmer and your husband died um, of a pulmonary embolism. Um, she's a farmer too. What? Yes. And her husband died the same way as mine. Like, what? In what universe? In what universe does God send me a woman that is further down the road than me that can basically hold my hand and show me it's going to be okay? Wow, that's amazing. What did he farm? <laughs> uh, she has walnuts. I'm sorry. No, I have walnuts. She has almonds. You're both nut farmers. Yes, she's wait, a wait, wait. nut farmer.
0: The widow yes. nut jobs should be. <laughs> your tagline. You're welcome.
2: <laughs> I love it. I
0: think that should be our tagline. So, so question for you. So, it's been amazing. so what's next for you? How, what is your life looking like now? You've, you've relinquished a lot of the things to Keith, right? You're a toddler yes. helping.
2: No, I really, I relinquished, relinquished a lot of the things to Steve. Oh, Steve. Sorry. That's my trauma brain. There's a bunch
0: of men in my life. All that have a job. Okay, so, so you, yeah. So some dude is doing most of the things with the farm and you help when you want to lick the paddle. Yeah. What's next for you? So what, what happened next
2: is I have decided I sat down and did an evaluation of my life while I'm, uh, laid up having knee surgeries and shoulder issues. And, uh, I said, what am i going to do with all of this right and what is it that i do and the message was very clear that between the brain injury and losing my husband and having to organize the farm that that i can help widowed people organize the logistics of life after loss like that like i don't have very many superpowers right I can't even remember every morning as soon as I brush my teeth. I can't remember if I brush my teeth. I have to touch the toothbrush and go, Oh, yeah, I did that. Right. But you know what I can do is I can take things. My life has had major restarts over and over and over. And if I can show a widowed person how to make some meaning out of this mess and how to take this life that's been destroyed and to put it back together in a new way then I'm happy. You know? Yeah. I'm happy. You know, we have a choice. You know, we have a choice. We can let what happened to us, make us a bitter person, or we can take what happened to us and let it make us a better person. And we can give ourselves permission to live. And so I have decided I'm giving myself, my husband, he would want me to live. And so I have decided I'm giving myself permission to live and I'm giving myself to have a chance to have joy and i'll take two helpings of it get it right yes so you're
1: giving yourself permission to be a plump white walnut instead yes. of a shriveled black Ye- walnut
2: jumbo sized white yes plump walnut yes
0: is, is there such a thing as a double yolk walnut because that could be you
2: <laughs> <laughs> no but if there was it would be me <laughs>
0: Julie, how how are you planning on helping the widows? Do you have a, a coaching thing? Are you making friends? Like, tell us. Okay, so what I do is I have a couple
2: of, okay, so I have a couple of things. Number one, I, oh no, this is amazing. So I told you because you understand, Anita, that with our brains don't work right and we have to organize differently. While I was under lockdown, I discovered this lovely thing called the National Association of Professional Organizers, otherwise known as NAPO. These, <laughs> these are my people and they speak my love language. And I became a member of NAPO. And not only did I become a member of NAPO, so you have to go through training classes and certifications. I have every certification that they have because I just cannot get enough of it. <laughs>
1: Excellent. I almost think it should be napalm, not (laughs) napalm. Like you come in and
2: you're like, you're like, (laughs) purification. Exactly. And so what happened was I became a professional organizer first. And as I started going in and organizing homes, what happened was the widows were like, Hey, I need you to come help me. But when I went to come help them, it's never about the home. It's never about the clutter. What it's always about is the feelings and the paralysis and the, and the, 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 processing of emotions and the mourning of the life that the stuff holds. And so I began to work with widows on, we have to work on the mind in order to deal with the stuff. Right. Ooh. So, so, so I actually became a certified
0: life coach. Oh, I nice, did. Me I did. Too. So, did, are you life coach, Brooke Castillo, life coach school? I'm actually, oh, man. I'm actually, you
2: guys are yeah. both in the cult. The same. No,
0: but you know what? That's my second school. I went to another
2: one first and I was like, no, this one isn't good enough. And so then I went to life coach school. I also, you know, and I have the, um, Napo. I work, I work as a professional organizer. And what I do now is I either, I take clients. I work with clients one-on-one. I work with groups. I go to conferences like I will be speaking in San Diego yeah. uh, helping yes. I will be speaking in San Diego, helping widows uh, finding finding you in your future, right? Organizing your mind so that you can organize your space. And then I go to places like I'm going to Baltimore at the end of the month, and I'm speaking at the conference for NABO, and I'm teaching the NABO people how to be sensitive and thoughtful to organize widowed people. So I do this. Oh, I go back you. and forth. Thank you for That's that. That's called cross-pollination. I love cross-pollinating. I, I love it. <laughs> oh,
1: man. I was going to say, you need to teach this because this is oh, this is a really useful I skill. I so know. So when you come and help me prune the peach tree, we can also organize everything. Yes.
2: And guess what? But here's the beautiful thing if you can learn the process, you can organize anything, anything. It's easy. And you know what? The most wasteful use of your money in organizing is to sit there and have me sit by your side and go, do you want that? Do you want that? Do you want that? When the other thing that you could be doing is we have a talk and we have a zoom call. Or whatever it is, and we talk about you tell me, oh my God, I have to take care of this closet. It's driving me crazy. All right, let's make a plan. Let's find your why. Let's figure out how you're gonna edit. Let's figure out how you're gonna declutter, let's figure out how you're gonna put everything back. Okay, get to it, and then we'll come back and we'll regroup. And we just keep doing that over and over and over and over and over. And then guess what? Then your whole life is straightened out. Because once you get once you get traction and you learn the process, you start applying that process to your finances. To your scheduling, to your kids. Like it's amazing. It's um, it's like amazing.
0: And I love doing it. The brain is everything, and you can do it even with a broken one. Yes. Yes. And we
1: are we gonna ignore the fact that walnuts look like brains?
2: Oh um, yes, we're gonna acknowledge that in the room. <laughs> <laughs> They're like little tiny brains. We're coming
1: full circle. Yes. Full circle, guys. Yes. Wow. So Julie. You're like a rock star, man. (laughs) Mel, you need to tell them what you named this Zoom meeting.
0: I named this meeting. What did I name it? Let me see. It's like
1: the rock star widow Julie, the farmer. Julie,
0: the badass. Okay, here. Oh, here's what I named this Zoom meeting. Because every time we schedule with somebody, I name it Widow We Do Now Plus, whoever. This is called Widow We Do Now Plus. Julie, the badass farmer of the nuts of wall. Do you get it? Like walnuts, the nuts of wall for those who have a broken brain. Yes. yes, yes. You know,
2: and that's the beautiful thing. We can do anything even with a broken brain. We can do anything even when we're stuck in grief.
0: I've noticed that with my broken brain because I used to be such a great multitasker, I could hold everything in my mind. I could get yes. by on like I could coast on that stuff. I don't know how. Yeah. And I was super productive. I'm way more productive now with a broken brain because I have to break it down so small and be so intentional and it's mind blowing. Ha ha no pen intended, but maybe. Um walnut blowing. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and it's yes. unbelievable. And so I I I don't wanna say it, but I also do wanna say it. Having the broken brain has been one of the greatest teaching tools and life changing things for me in my life so that I can do even more and understand how to how I can do things another way. It's true. And in my situation what
2: the best thing that I have learned is that my brain has a threshold. And as long as I cruise along under my threshold, I'm okay. It's like an old car, right? You can drive that car in third gear, but if you're going to get above third gear, Things start falling apart. And if I don't stop and, and take it back, I literally lose my mind. Literally, I I don't know if this happens to you. I have like on a good day, I have walking amnesia, right? My sister loves to joke that I'm Dory from um whatever <laughs> that movie funny. is. Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> that <was> so- <laughs> she, and she, and she perfect. so lovingly tells me that. And, sh- and it's like, thanks, right? <laughs> but you know, but my brain is telling me, Hey, this is as much as you can do. And so all the people are like, why don't you just go back to work? Because that's not available to me working an eight to five job. I'd make it about three days and I would literally lose all of my cognitive functioning. So I have to create a life that will work for me and my brain. And it looks different than what you do. And it looks different from what
0: you do. Julie, we have one final question for you. After all of that knowledge has come from you, we have one more thing. It's very serious. I'm going to let Anita ask it. Are you ready?
1: I'm ready. Are you ready, Julie? I think I'm ready. Okay. What is your favorite cheese? And please keep in mind the cheese and walnut pairing that would go best.
2: Okay. Well, being a cheese aficionado, I can tell you that my favorite cheese Is a five year aged Gouda because, wow, because Gouda is a Gouda, right? (laughs) And it pairs very well with some wine, with some fruit, and with some walnuts. Excellent. Excellent.
1: Thank you so much, Julie. We've had such a fun time talking with you. And maybe you won't even remember this conversation after we're done. So we'll be surprised when it comes out.
2: It'll be all new to me. <laughs> it has been a delight, ladies. It has been a delight. So, good, oh, good, good. And anytime you guys want to come to California, you are welcome at the farm. You are always welcome. Okay. Let's and you go. can even bring all the kids because we could just arrange a camp out. So,
1: <laughs> send, them to the, send them into the forest of walnuts. Yes. And give them a bucket.
2: And, yes. 25 cents. And guess what? And then you tell them. Hey, and by the way, after dark, the coyotes come out, but you do whatever you want.
0: (laughs) Anita, you should just move there. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Julie, if somebody wants to work with you, where can they find you? I have a website now called, uh,
2: navigating widowhood. So www.navigatingwidowhood.com and all, and I have a, I have a blog and I have resources for widowed people and all the things. Excellent. Excellent.
0: I think today, I think I liked your page today. I will go look. You might have sent. sent I might it have. To me I might today. have. So great. Well, everybody, check her out. Julie's the best. Yes.
1: Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope that you have found Julie as lovely and amazing as we have. Make sure you check out the Widow Wives Club on Facebook if you want to be a part of our private Facebook community. They're so awesome and supportive.
0: Just make sure you answer all the questions. Yes, all of them. Sorry, not sorry. Yes.
1: And if you would like to keep the podcast going, check out our Patreon. It's patreon.com slash WWDN.
0: If you'd like to buy us tacos, go to buymeacoffee.com slash widow do now. Strangely enough, once I had a taco that was vegan and was full of walnuts
1: true story. I know full circle again. And if you can't do any of those things or would not like to just give us a rating and review on Apple podcasts or Spotify.
0: If it's a mean one though, maybe (laughs) don't post it. (laughs) Just be nice
1: until we talk to you again. I'm Anita. I'm Mel. And I'm Julie. We're just two young widows and one widow who asks the question, if a widow screams in a walnut forest and nobody's around to hear her did she really scream <laughs> we're all just trying to figure out Widow, we do
0: now this is my favorite thing to discuss with you tell me what well, is it one of my favorite things i do enjoy tacos and cheese and dogs This is about how you cannot pay hundreds and hundreds of dollars for a phone plan, especially when you're a widow, your person is dead, you might have kids, you might need another option, and you just want your phone to work, you want unlimited texting and service, and you want it to be like 25 bucks a month. It blows my mind that they
1: have plans that start at $15 a month. That is so cheap. And the cool thing is, is it uses other 5G networks, and so you don't have to pay extra for that, and you still get great service.
0: Yep, Anita and I have traveled all over and I have used my phone. So I highly recommend it and my mom's even on it. When my dad died, we put his phone down to the cheapest plan which is $15 a month. And I think my mom's on the $20 a month plan and it's so worth it. It's so much cheaper than what we were all paying before. So I highly recommend it if you're on a budget or not. Who cares? Ryan Reynolds is in charge of the company and they send you free stickers with Ryan Reynolds temporary tattoos. It's kind (laughs) of the best. So if somebody wants to sign up, what can they do, Anita?
1: Go to TryMintMobile.com slash WWDN. Seriously, you guys, such a great idea. Save yourself some money.
0: And if you're worried about losing data or having any changes with your phone, not going to happen. They walk you through it. Everything's fine. It's the easiest process of all time. Again, that's
2: trimintmobile.com
0: slash wwdn.